Hey listeners, this is episode one of The Designated Sitter, a baseball podcast. The MLB, as seen by us, myself, Kip, and my buddy Steve, two very opinionated people who happen to love the MLB and data. We're going to go over our highs and lows this week. We're looking at the end of the trade deadline, which is a little odd this year considering they're only having one. So if your team sucked before now and they didn't make any good trades, the writing is on the wall. If you're the Astros, though, things might have just rounded out even more in your favor. Yankees and Red Sox, completely still, yet less excuses than the Tigers, who probably won't win more than 50 games this year and tried nothing in the trade deadline. You're going to look at the NL, look at where everything's kind of getting jumbled up there and why it's confusing to know who should have been buyers or sellers. Unless we're going to go into a few terms. We want to make the podcast approachable for everybody, so if you're new to baseball, it'll be good to explain terms. One of the big ones we'll get in tonight is OPS, which is on-base plus slugging. For the long-time batting average measured hits, how often players made it across first base off hitting. Well, some players make it to first a lot, some players hit a lot of doubles, and some hit more home runs than they hit singles. Is it worth measuring the difference between them? Most definitely, you want to know who's having a bigger impact from, from home plate. So measuring that differently is what OPS is used to do. We're also going to talk about Pythagorean expectation. We're not going to go too heavy into data. We want this to be pretty light. Basic idea. If you score more runs than you give up, you win more baseball games. So can that predict how many wins you'll have on the season? We're going to make our predictions for every team this year based on how things sat on August 2nd when we run the calculations. And we're going to offer a bit of a bribe to our listeners. So go ahead and stick around. And we'll get into it. for the week yeah i i don't know if you got did you watch the marlins game tonight um i didn't i didn't i actually barely caught one game tonight which is crazy but i only did and i caught highlights on twitter from the rest but right i only caught a few so two highlights i caught ice and diaz homer dude i saw that with his dad on mm-hmm. radio. Oh, man. So you know exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. Hits his first home run in the bigs on Jacob deGrom. And his dad starts shouting, that's a Cy Young winner. He's just stoked. I, yeah. Neither of us will probably ever know what that feels like to see your child hit a, a homer against a Cy Young award recipient. First off, kids would be the first step in that direction, but to push him through. <laughs> because uh, neither of us have far. those yet. Although, I will say, I mean, it's out of the question for me. I'm assuming it's out of the question for you. That's why it's called, like, the Designated Sitter Podcast is because... <laughs> it's never going to be us. We're, no. the, we're the sitters. We're the ones that just watch. But, no, yeah, that was crazy. Oh, man. And his mom was, like, trying to talk, and his dad was just yelling so loud the whole time. Just like... Let's go! Oh, it was so good. I had actually watched a Marlins, a uh, couple Marlins games 
a while back, which is crazy because they're Marlins games and right. they're awesome, right? Um, but they were talking about how this guy, Isan Diaz, was just mashing in AAA. Dude was just tearing it up the whole time. And that's something that eventually we're going to get into talking about is why is it that call-ups just crush it right at the beginning? Yeah. I mean, Chavis, Jordan is that Alvarez. How you say that? I've always pronounced it Chavis. It, you know what? It, it might be right. I might. One big thing we're going to struggle with, I, I suck at pronouncing names. And you know what? That's just going to be what the podcast is. I'm a reader. Not as much a listener. I don't catch as many <laughs> I mean, as I would respect. like to. Respect. Second highlight of the week is MLB has finally caught up to football in one thing. I don't know if you've ever watched red zone. Uh, Oh, you're talking about change up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was originally a highlight cause I was really excited for it. Have you checked it out yet? I haven't yet. It's by the season or the zone, the zone, the zone, something like that. I wasn't enamored with it. This I is not an advertisement down. for the zone, by the way. Definitely well, not, especially if Kip's about, about a bash it real with quick. It, so this isn't a good plug. <laughs> so I don't expect to hear a call from their office at any time. Respect. I didn't love the flow of it. Maybe I'm just not familiar with the, the announcers, the personalities oh. on it. One of the guys felt like he was trying to be Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but I wish they would have just gotten that guy instead because he's hilarious. <laughs> respect and the other guy i don't know if he really knows sports that well or if he's just kind of i we're saying this neither of us have played major league baseball or anything or even got a broadcasting gig no no this is self-appointed on our yet and yet their job is to plus benefit salary fans (laughs) (laughs) their job is to appease fans and that is us so right we know something at least you put a per if you put a per dollar value to, to what we're worth for this. I think we exceed only because of our spending budget. Right? Okay. True. True. My big low, everyone just keeps still hitting homers. You know what's funny? I actually have, for my highs and lows, I have a high and a low that are both the same, and it has exactly to do with that. You know what? Crazily. Tell me if I'm wrong. A home run at one point, and this is another topic that eventually we'll touch on, so I'm not going to go too far into this. Sure. The home run used to feel sacred. Oh, sacred's a big word. Not um, sacred, but you didn't expect to see a home run in every game you went to. Sure, sure. You would go to a game thinking, will I get to see a home run tonight? Yeah, for sure. Now, I feel like fans are getting disappointed if they don't see three. I mean, I, yes, I, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Now, now I did see an inside the park home run fairly recently. That was those are always just so exciting. Where, where was the ball hit? Where was this? Center field. Um, it was off of. I saw it on M, the MLB Instagram page, but it mm-hmm. was off Cattell Marte. Um, he hit it. It was a rope. He hit it to center field. Guy went to dive for it. It was a, I think he was a Nationals player. It was Gerardo Parra, actually. Mm. That's who it was, <laughs> the baby shark dude. He uh, he went and he dove for it and missed it, and no one was backing him up. Went straight to the wall, and 
you know, dude's chugging around the bases and then he slid in and missed the missed the plate, but the catcher never tried to tag him, so he stood up, hit the plate, and walked back to the dugout. But yeah. See what was there. In the back of my mind I was thinking about something. I feel like you almost touched on it. Sure. I, there was a kid the other day who I run into at a, a backstop near my house as I'm just batting and he asks if he can bat a little bit. Like, oh, okay, let him bat. Yeah. He's kind of tossing around and he throws down a bunt and he tells me he wants to, in this season, hit an infield home run. And here, here's what my mind's thinking. Is there such thing as an infield home run? And I will argue to the death, there's no, there's a four base error. <laughs> oh, no, no. I don't think you can have one four base error. I think you might have three one base errors. Maybe, maybe. Do you understand what I'm saying error. by that, though? For sure. 100%. Even in your situation, is it an in the field home run or is that really an error on the center fielder? I guess it's whoever's scoring it at home because uh, depending <laughs> on what they want, you know, what they feel. But this is the bigs. This isn't this isn't high school baseball where if your mom's the scorekeeper, she inflates your stats and then puts down the rest of them. <laughs> this is the bigs. These guys should have a very strict approach to scoring. True. Yeah, I don't there's probably not. Yeah, there's probably no way to do it. It's I think they call it a little league home run for a reason. Pretty sure right. that's how that works. But right. Okay, your highs and lows. All right. So, one of the biggest highs and lows, I don't know if you saw this, um, for you, you're all first time listeners, so it's going to be regardless. Um, I'm an NL guy, Caden's an AL guy. Um, but I was, I watched, uh, I was watching a little bit of American League Baseball as much as I love, as sarcastic as I can put it, the designated hitter. Um, Nelson Cruz, my man, aging like a fine wine. He hit three home runs in one game, twice, in 10 days. He had two three-homer games in 10 days. And what we talked about, is the home run even worth anything anymore? It's worth a run. Sometimes it's, well, no, a home run's worth at least one run. Um, But, man, they're just exploding out of here. And Nelson Cruz is a big dude. Like he's a slugger. Like that's what he that's what he is doing. Is he's hitting home runs. But man, that is like that that never happens. Three home run games. There was actually a point in the season where there was three three homer games in three consecutive days. The first time that's ever happened before. That's crazy. We're looking at you, Manfred. <laughs> We didn't touch the ball, as I air quote around that. Um, we can get into that another time because I made yeah, unintentional I'm, I'm changes. A, I'm gonna put my tinfoil hat on for that one, but um, yeah, no, that one's actually on my highs and lows because it was really exciting. You know, that's crazy. That's a lot of home runs, but something also that I think needs to be addressed. Well, and and the Twins know what to do with batters nowadays. They're catching up. They're not the Astros. You know, they're not the they're not Tampa Bay as far as. Stats I would con- go, but they're I would developing contend. batters. I would contend that the Twins this season are the Astros of hitting. And it's fair. Something they're doing is changing. They've moved around a lot in the front office. They've got a new pitching staff. They've got a lot going on. But Nelson Cruz, he's played for the Brewers, he's, the Rangers, the yeah, Orioles, the Mariners. He's been everywhere. Yeah. 
so why now? Exactly. Well, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so then my other high, which is also a low, um, is my man, Amir Garrett, on the Cincinnati Reds, taking on the world and just Leroy Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins? Jenkins? <laughs> like, if you watch the video, he looks and the manager comes out and he's like, hey, don't do anything stupid. He's like, coach, I'm going to fight these fools. And he's like, all right. And he grabs the ball from him, taps him on the butt, says, go get him. And he just full swing. And there's a picture. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Totally worth it up. It is Amir Garrett, who's a tall dude. I don't know how tall he is. He's probably 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, tall dude. And he is in a sea of black and yellow Pirates jerseys by himself. And it is, I've never seen that before. I've seen, you know, people push around. I've seen people yell at each other. I actually just went back and rewatched um, the one fight where I saw it because I was reading an article on um, Fangraphs, I think, and they were talking about this fight, and they referenced a Granky fight that I didn't, I had never heard of, and it was Granky and Ian Kennedy, uh, Diamondbacks versus Dodgers. I think it was in 2013. There was like four hit batters. Ian Kennedy hit Ian Kennedy hit Puig in the nose, Granky in the head, Granky hit someone, I think Miguel Montero in the thigh, and then oh it got scrappy real quick. Real quick. And so that was my question or oh, my thought for this highs and lows is people are throwing baseballs at each other. And that has been a part of the game. For a long time. In your humble opinion. Whose job is it. To police baseball. And I think you're wondering. Between so much just the players. The managers or MLB itself. You know does does Manfred need to create. A, his own quote unquote. Courthouse you know. Ooh, yeah. We, yeah, we see it in the NFL. It, it hasn't gone well. I agree. I agree with that. The NFL's approach where they try too strict, half their fans get pissed. They try too light, the other half of the fans aren't. So you have one you have Mike Vick who who gets dragged through the mud for abusing dogs and then men abuse their wives and nothing happens, right? Yeah. It, it's you don't want to get involved in that. Oh. I think managers in the clubhouse one on one definitely need to control their guys. So should people be throwing baseballs at each other, though? It's the same question with the concussions in the NFL. If you're throwing balls at people's heads, I think there should be suspensions. Definitely there, suspension worthy. Yeah. No, and there was. I think I think, I think think Keone Kella, who threw out the head first, um, right. is the closer for the Pirates. I think he got a six-game suspension. But, like, is I personally, I think you should be able to hit someone in the butt or in the thigh. And let them know, I'll be like, hey, that's it, no more. Like, I feel like there should be a level of, like, I think that should be allowed personally. Again, throwing at people's heads is a little bit different, but hitting someone in the butt, you know? Ah. Here's that kind of emotion. I mean, I know you're a major league pitcher, and this is this is more of a question for them. How much control do you have over location? Can we see location break down sometimes? You're throwing 90 miles an hour, and the slightest tweak in your hand is tens of degrees across you know, the gap, mm. right? Yeah. 
I think that it's a player's own job to police their emotions. I think if you're feeling like you have to hit somebody, you probably didn't spend enough time practicing control the game. There's a few reasons that maybe you've broken the unwritten rule, right? Maybe you were throwing a no-hitter and he bunted on you, but you were down six runs, so it was like, why? Yeah. You know? So you're letting emotions get into it? Yeah. I I have wondered this, because I saw MLB's post on, you know, it was cut four. And they posted about should pitchers stop throwing at their heads? And my question is, what could incentivize them not to make that throw, right? If you throw at their head, there is the possibility that you miss, and it's a wild pitch. Yeah. So there has been discussion of a rule coming up in the collective bargaining agreement that we're going to talk about later. Okay. And that is, can you steal first on any count? Oh, my gosh. I saw that. I saw a video of that. Right? It's been tried in other leagues. Am I wrong? I think it just started in the Atlantic League. Right. Right. Which oh, is private from I... MLB, but they test things there. Yeah. No, so that's what I'm is, you go to throw at somebody's head, you've got to consider if I miss, he gets I might lose. Right. Yeah, I might lose a stolen base on this at first. And that's going to be a new stat. Right? They're going to have to measure that separately. Yeah. First, very few pitchers want to be in the inductive class of people who got first stolen on a 1-1 count. Or, <laughs> heck, you, you had a two, an 0-2 count and you got first base stolen. You don't want to be that guy. Don't want to be that Do guy. Do you think introducing a rule like that, it's not going to completely remove the possibility of having them thrown at, but you think it disincentivizes them? Well, I think it would. I think, I think making... Here's my thing is especially so with the Pirates, Reds, Beef has been brewing all season. I don't know if you remember early in or maybe mid-April. Derek Dietrich. Dietrich? Dietrich? Derek Dietrich. He's a, he was on the Marlins and got traded to the Reds. And he went on this tear where he was just hitting the ball like crazy. And he hit three, three or four home runs in one game. And every time he smacked it, bat flips, staring at it out of the batter's box against these Pirates hitters. And they did not like it, right? So if they're willing to hit him, they're willing to give up that base regardless. So there's mm-hmm. a little bit of like, will it actually, it adds a, a new aspect of it. Well, what if that incentivizes batters to act like tools to try to get thrown at, to try to steal a base? You just don't know. And maybe that's a dumb take. Like I'm, I'm, I'm aware. I would, you got to look at every side of the coin. Yeah, I mean, it is already, like, because of the whole, like, uh, drop strike three, like, that's already kind of a thing. Right. So, I don't I don't know why expand it, other than try to generate more excitement, but who knows. But My I mean, last high and low. Oh, sorry, go. Here, well, here's the thing. Strike three drop ball still counts as a strikeout for the pitcher. That's, I saw that. I was at a game. So, it still improves that. your stats. This one doesn't. It's, okay, so do you does that count as an at bat for you? Well, hit by the pitch doesn't count as at bat. So I would imagine it's it's just a plate appearance. I don't know. It's still going to count in your on base plus slugging, which really is what a lot of cl- a lot of clubs are looking at your on base percentage, your on base <laughs> plus slugging, right? Yeah. It, maybe I'm wrong. Not everybody might be Billy Bean. I think OPS is a, a generally uh, accepted stat, um, and 
for anyone that has questions, we can uh, provide some explanations for different stats that we talk about because we know some everyone, not everyone that listens to this is as statistically inclined as, as me and Caden here, but that's kind of the reason, that's one of the reasons we're making this is because we want to be the bridge for y'all. Right, simple answer. If you're newer to baseball, in the simplest form, on base plus slugging, if you walk to first, it didn't really count your batting average. It's as though you never even did anything. Yeah. You want to measure the player's impact on the game. If I run to third on a hit, it's a lot different than if I make it to first. Measuring that differently and measuring my total impact is extremely important in de- deriving who are better players. And so on-base plus slugging accounts for your total impact across bases off of your own plate appearances or hits. Yeah, offensively, for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay, so my last high and low. Um, And this one is something that I saw on Twitter, actually. There was a a, a guy, for the life of me, I cannot remember his name. Um, But he was at Coors Field. They have this bullpen that you can go and throw, and it'll tell you how hard you're throwing. And this video, and he threw nine. Now, okay, I'll give. I'll. I saw this, and I kind of like. All right, whatever. He he had a he crow hopped it a little bit, but he was throwing 96 miles an hour. And for all of you that have never attempted to throw a baseball as hard as they can, most people can't touch 60. Most people, right? Like, just just straight out. Just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go throw the ball as hard as I can. It's hard. 60, 70 miles an hour, like, that's, for the most part, that's not, a normal person can't do that. And he's crow hopping 96, okay? Two weeks later, he gets a contract by the Oakland A's. They sign him to a, I don't know what, I'm assuming it's a minor league contract. I don't even know what they're going to do. They might put him in the outfield. But he went from, hey, I'm just at a game and want to see how hard I can throw, to being a professional baseball player in two weeks. If we is that fact checked? It was. I saw. I it's saw a picture thing. of him I, I with an A's hat, A's jersey, and a contract signed in front of him. I saw the video, and I showed those who were with me, kind of just to kind of go their interest in something. But I hadn't fact checked it before. I was wondering if it. It seems like what was that movie? Was it Mark Wahlberg where he he tries out for the Eagles? Like oh, as a as a walk on, it just felt like something like that, like something you just see in a. In an overly done Hollywood movie, right? Hey, life imitates art, bro. <laughs> That's what I saw. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's a baseball player. Regardless, right? Like, that dude's a baseball player. Like, someone who's not a baseball player doesn't doesn't go to course field, doesn't throw 96 miles an hour. So, it's not like he's like, oh, yeah, all of a sudden, like, I just tried baseball for the first time and make me a professional baseball player. But... It was right. still very, very cool. Deal. So yeah, so those were those were our highs and lows for the for the past week. Um, obviously, we're very opinionated. We have lots of thoughts about it. Um, but if you're not following baseball um, as closely as we are, uh, the trade deadline the trade deadline just passed. Apparently, I can't even talk today. Um, and lots of things. Um, Lots of things changed. Lots of people wearing new uniforms. Um, lots of teams went for it. Lots of teams didn't go for it. We're going to have a little bit of a, a pretty good discussion on what, um, who did and who didn't. Um, a couple teams that we think did go for it um, include teams like the Astros, Braves, Nationals, all made improvements. 
Um, teams that didn't go for it, Boston, New York. Um, there's another team that stood pat that I kind of laughed at, that I was kind of amazed at. Um, oh, St. Louis. St. Louis didn't. And the Dodgers. None of these teams actually went out and made those big splash acquisitions. So we're going to go a little talk about, about who did it and why we think it's a good idea. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people saying that they didn't enjoy the trade deadline this year, that it got kind of boring. I just think you're not paying close enough attention or you don't understand the MLB or your team didn't do something you wanted them to. Those are the only reasons to think that. That one right there. Yeah. (laughs) It's different. So, and if you're not paying attention to changes in the MLB, this year is kind of a different trade deadline. It used to be that you got this deadline and then there was a secondary deadline with certain stipulations. So you kind of got a little bit of extra time to say, are we in the race to make it to the playoffs? This is pretty early. There's not really a lot of telling, especially if you're an NL team right now. Do you really we'll talk, know we'll, whether or we'll not talk you're about in the playoffs? We'll, you almost have to buy someone to say this might make the difference, but there's no buying someone saying we're going to the playoffs, so now we know what we need to do. It's a completely different situation. Quick, quick note, and I don't know if you heard this or not. It just came out two days ago, I think. Um, Al Avila is the GM for the Detroit Tigers. Mm-hmm. At one point, Houston had offered him and the Detroit Tigers Alex Bregman for a pitching prospect, and the Cubs had offered Javi Baez for a pitching prospect, and he said no to both. Which pitching prospect is this? I honestly, I I saw it. It was on um, I. You have to wonder, and you know what? Someone that didn't turn out. Someone that didn't turn out. That's what I'm saying. Because this was this was four years ago. These guys had more upside than actual proven worth in the major leagues right now. But look at them, man. And you know what? The Cubs know what they're doing when they're building a team. Not because of the Cubs, but because they've got <laughs> Epstein, right? Sure. He's one of the better general managers in baseball. Sure. I agree. For sure. Broke the curse of Babe. Ended the Cubs drought. I mean, he, he's a he's a he's a big piece of of this. I I almost want to see him go to Cleveland and end up back with Fix it. right same managers he had in Boston. Go for oh, it. He, yeah, no, he had Francona, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then bring Lester, who was a big part of the Cubs win. Put a dream team together down in down in Cleveland. Anyways. You know what, dude. Oh, okay, yeah. Teams that went for it, though. Detroit Tigers did not go for it. <laughs> Two that are really surprising. Yankees and Boston. I, Boston, I, you win a World Series. You've got the hangover. I get that. But who would have thought at this point in the year they would have been nearly just 500 in the 50s? What's their, what's their standing right now? I'm, I'm pulling it up real quick. They're third in the AL East. They're like sixth in place for the wild card. Oof. No, they're si- they have 60 wins now. I think did they w- they won tonight. They won tonight. They beat the Royals. Oh, nice. Right. Good job. Sweet. Exactly. It's not a big win. Their schedule's super easy through September. Okay. So they could potentially make it back. Only last week, these guys are in the wild card. I and mean, then- I think they still are. 
They're five no, no. and a half games out of the wild card. They were in the wild card. Oh, they had a spot. They had the spot, right? Oh. That was game three of the Yankees. That was when they were back in Fenway and they were crushing it. Fast forward, they get destroyed by a week of just misery. Tampa and, and Yankees, again, also, that's an unfair, I mean, I'm not going to get into schedules, but that's brutal. Let's go Yankees, Tampa, Yankees, just like that. Brutal schedule. Hey man, that's the division, though. That's it the is. AL East. You, get, you counter that by getting to play Baltimore. <laughs> and then eventually the All Tigers the time. at some point. <laughs> Right. All the time. Is Tigers the other one in that division? Oh, They're no, and Toronto. And Toronto. Toronto. And Toronto. You get to play easy. Toronto and Baltimore, okay? Either way. Either way. Regardless, they didn't go for it. I don't think they anyone. made any trades. And, and they've, they've got Iovaldi, who they signed to start games. And they're saying he's going to close, but they don't actually let him close games right now. Didn't I, he just come off the I.L.? He did, he did, and they said that he was going to be the closer, and they didn't pick anybody up. Quick aside for those that are listening, IL is injured list. Uh, if you're on the injured list, you cannot play. Um, and so you'll get, there's a couple, there's 10-day injured list, 15-day injured list, 60-day injured list. If you get put on it, you have to stay for the entire duration um, until you're healthy again. This guy, Nathan Eovaldi, I think he was on the 10-day injured list i believe right i think he might have made the 60 he was gone for a while yeah i haven't heard it because he was like a huge part of the world series run last year right that that game that went overnight he pitched the bottom what eight innings yeah don't fact check me on that and then he goes back i'm going to he goes back to alex cora and says i'm good to start tomorrow right this guy's had two tommy john surgeries i don't think he started no no he didn't start but he was willing. Yeah, I, I, no, this guy's sure. two Tommy John surgeries deep. Subnote: When we talk about worst Marlin trades of all time, is he involved in a Marlin trade? You know what? No, he might have been Tampa Bay. I really uh, hope he wasn't a Marlins trade because that I was, hope he was, dude. That just well, builds that case. Yeah. You been. know who was a Marlins trade? Luis Castillo, who had 13 strikeouts tonight and looked absolutely built. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Boston, Dombrowski's doing the same thing that he did when he was at the Tigers. He's not looking forward. Mm. They have no bullpen. No support behind them. Just Chris Sell is one of the league leaders in strikeouts. The Red Sox are league leaders in strikeouts. I saw a I saw a graphic put up by MLB that listed team leading in a lot of stuff, and the Red Sox lead a lot of them. Right, they lead in runs. They lead in strikeouts. I think they lead in team batting average. They do. I mean, Rafael Devers, JD Martinez, Xander Bogarts—the three of them—that's in your top fifteen batting. Alone. So why are they five and a half games back? Because they're blowing it from the bullpen. They didn't and round so out the rotation. Think. They made zero moves. There were talks about maybe going to the Mets and picking up a few guys. Nothing. See, at least the Yankees. I get the Yankees situation, right? Do you, though? Well, you've got Severino getting healthy. Sabathia's going to come back in. 
you're almost acquiring guys from your IL. I understand that. Severino's not going to be the guy that he was last year. He hasn't pitched all year. He's no. not a starter. He's going to pitch, what, three, four innings? No, that doesn't he's going to have to take a stint in Scranton beforehand because he's been gone yeah. for so long. For sure. I get getting Sanchez back, but what's a, uh, Glaber Torres just got put on the IL. He got taken to the hospital to check out a, a core injury last night. Mookie so Betts is day-to-day now, too, just as a side note. I don't know I if you that. saw that. I didn't see that. But Red Sox, small injury b- bug. Yankees, I- I'm amazed they didn't trade. The injury bug for the Yankees, you hate that I say it, but the third best team in baseball behind the Dodgers and the Yankees is the Yankees bench, a.k.a. <laughs> Scranton A. <AAA>. How they have managed to stay so good with almost entirely a second-string team, is beyond knowledge. I mean, I guess they're printing money, you know. But is it sustainable? And I think when we talk about the trade deadline and we talk about what the point is or, like, whether or not you're going to go for it or not, right? It's it's New York. It's the Yankees. Like, if they don't go – if they don't win World Series, the season is a failure, right? right. You look at mid-market teams. Like, you look at um, the Padres. Right, who have been the doormat of the National League for a, a while. Um, all of a sudden, you know, you got Fernando Tetis Jr. and Manny Machado and um, Hunter Renfro is almost is up there in leading the league in home runs. Like you have all these guys, a successful season is going five hundred. Mm-hmm. That's not New York. So these like I saw I saw a stat month over month of Yankee starters ERA. They're up over six. In July. That sucks. It's not good. Pitching has been They have an amazing bullpen. Their bullpen's nasty. Which is reverse of what's happening in the league right now. A little bit. A little bit. Right now is the It is one of the first times in MLB history since 1870 that relievers have had a worse ERA than the starters. Starters have a better ERA than relievers. Yeah. That's a rare occurrence. They are playing less innings. They're pulling them out the minute the game starts to unravel. Right? Things are changing for sure. Regardless, that just to me, that says you need more starters. If right. your starters are going to pitch less innings, which they didn't. They didn't trade for it. Do you feel like teams are keeping more people in a bullpen than on a starting rotation? Um... Or do you feel like just starters, by nature of the bullpen, yeah? Right. Do you feel like starters have declined and just that is, I think, a topic that we can cover another time. Right. Just because, like the the ideology of pitching is changing, just like the ideology of hitting is changing, um, and that's kind of a rabbit hole that I don't think our right. listeners and, and are prepared to go, to go down at this point. Does does I, the presence of the closer draw away from the starting rotation? You know. Yeah. Right. No, I feel you. And I think that you see more and more teams going to a closer by committee. But what I did, what on that note, though, about pitching ideology, we saw something really, really cool happen with a team that did go for it. Did you see the Astros combined no-hitter? And you know what? The funny thing is, you're, you're talking about Sanchez, right? Yeah. This is not a player who has been impressive by any means in the season. He, he you have was his four stat for line? fourteen. 
records. Now, I'm not completely sold on win-loss records, but uh, do you have his ERA, maybe? 5.76. Oh. Now, what's crazy? Okay, this is just something that, that's crazy. He was he he led the American League in ERA three years ago. Right. That's crazy. The di- like the drop off, right? Playing was he on Toronto the entire time? He had to have been, right? I, I believe so. I'd have to look into that. Gotcha. He. Uh, the interesting is pitchers are year to year. Sure. Rick Porcello the year after his Cy Young terrible. He's an every other year pitcher. Jacob Degrom isn't the same Scion Jacob Degrom he once was. I'll contend against that. He's he's still really good. He's still really good. I contend against good. that. I contend against now, that. No, let, let's getting to the main thing though. The Astros, Jeff Flano is the deal maker of all general managers. He is. He goes out. Nobody wanted to pick up the Verlander deal at the time it happened. It was a huge contract. That's true. And he cleared waivers. Right. This was a late trade. Yeah. Huh. Right. You think about that. that. The one thing he truly knows is that when it comes to trading, a lot of people see this as if I can kind of have them have more negative in this trade, the more negative they get out of it from me, the more even positive I got on top of what positive they gave me. That's sure, poorly yeah. worded, but I think you understand what I'm saying. That is not it's how all about, It's all about value differential. Who value. really got the good deal? So they traded for Granky from, from the Diamondbacks, but they gave sure. up how many prospects? Three, five? It was five prospects, It was right? four out of their top five. Four to the top five. These are not terrible prospects. I would almost think we could look into it and you could almost prove to some degree Diamondbacks may have gotten the better side of this trade and that's crazy considering what what Granky's going to do for the Astros I am beyond excited to see what Granky does with the Astros um, I had shared with Caden a little bit earlier this picture of um, the just a little bit of what pitches Aaron Sanchez the guy that you know he uh, had it was four and fourteen over the past two years, and had a five five seven. Is that what you said? Four and five, fourteen five. is just here with twenty nineteen. Oh my goodness! He just has a this 5. year, five point seven six ERA going into the trade. He's played one game with Houston so far, which is what and you're talking pitched, about. He pitched six no hit innings. Right, they did right? a combined no hitter for his debut. Crazy, right? And and the and you look at people like Garrett Cole, who was with the Pirates, who had great stuff but just wasn't, right? Like, he, there was a transition thing. And Granky is this really cerebral pitcher because, so he's been in the league for a long time. I think since, like, 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is an amazing pitcher. He's one of, I think, only three active players with multiple or double-digit win seasons, uh, 10 in a row. Consistent as all consistent. Um, I think the only other two are CC Sabathia, and um, it might be Verlander. I don't think so. I think he missed one, but um, he went through a like stint this, in Detroit where he he declined. I think he got nine. I think is what it was. Mm-hmm. I, this was a this was something on Twitter that I saw from um, 
there's a guy that puts out poles and stuff, but right. um, Granky is like this really cerebral pitcher, right? He very much goes in with the game plan and um, like reads hitters. Like he's almost better the second and third time through the batting order than the first because he uses the first as like this data collection time where he's like, oh yeah, let's see what's working now. Granky's never and been then, one to punch out with hair. His velocity is not used huge. To be. He used to be. He used His to be up, up like, to mid-90s. But this is the same situation that Furlander was in when he came. His velocity had been going down, and he looked like a great pitcher who is slowly declining. But this is exactly what the Astros look for. I would argue that Granky hasn't been declining, and actually... Not in 2019. That, no, not even... His, his lowest ERA, I think, this season per a month was 3.32. Right. I think he had a 2.9 ERA going into this trade. Um, and he's been that level of consistency essentially his entire career. He, he is an amazing pitcher. He's a little bit weird. And that's why a lot of people don't know him. If you don't follow baseball, right. Verlander's the guy. I think he's, I think he's married to Kate Upton, right? So he has mm-hmm. a little bit of like stuff outside of baseball. Um, and he, but he's not young and he is a, Oh man, he is terrible at interviews. I watched I watched his uh, press conference mm-hmm. <laughs> with with uh, Joe Bigiani, Aaron Sanchez, um, Zach Greinke, and there was a an infielder that they got that he wasn't pitching, but they were interviewing. They'd be like, "Oh Zach, so how do you?" Uh, they're saying that with you, you know, you're you guys are the best rotation in baseball. What do you think? And he's like, "I don't know about the American League, but." National League has some pretty good ones. <laughs> and it was like, oh my. And all the Houston fans on there like, does Greg even want to be here? Do you know, does he even like this? Like he's has he's missing home, he's doing all this stuff. And as someone that I've I love I love pitching and I've followed pitching and seeing I knew that about Granky. And so it was funny to see all these fans that had never understood or known him be like what am I getting out of this guy? They were right. not ready for his level of social awkwardness that was coming to him. Well, and, and look at look at the Astros right now. Verlander's your top guy. Sure. He, he tells he's telling everyone he wants to be the Tom Brady of MLB, which he could be. He's having a record high season. He, he's on track for a Cy Young year. Late in his career, if he keeps on his up, he's on track for a late career Cy Young. And a lot of that has to do with stretching and yoga. And that, that's something that could be interesting to look into is a lot of these pitchers aren't flexible. So the reason they're injuring their muscles is because they're throwing heaters, but they're pulling muscles along doing it because their muscles don't have a lot of band to them. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Garrett Cole, who leads the league in strikeouts right now, as far as I last check. He himself is also having a potential Cy Young year. After him, you bring in... Zach Greinke, who is himself having a Cy Young year. You've got three <laughs> potential Cy Youngs in the top of your rotation, right? And then Wade Miley, who's a great pitcher by all standards. Nothing to write home about, but also you go to a game, you're going to enjoy it. He's a great pitcher. For sure. Then you put Sanchez at the bottom, like, okay, we'll see what happens with him. That debut just turned everything on its head. Now you're wondering, do they have just a five all-star starting rotation? 
because you bring in him. So you were talking about how he's moved up on his curveball. They definitely sat him down and talked about Sanchez. Something. Sanchez, right? Sanchez. Yeah, he has the top spin rate in curveballs, right? He does not Over have a great in the league. Mm-hmm. One of the top. Oh, I didn't know that. He does not have a top spin rate on his fastball on his four seam. Think about the four seam fastball. When you're throwing a four seam, if you're not actually going to get that thing with some hair across the strike zone, it's a guaranteed hit nowadays, right? Especially with launch angles and everything. When you're throwing the fastball, unless you truly have velocity on it, why is everyone preferring it? It's not a good pitch without enough velocity. Nowadays, if you're not hit throwing over 93, you might want to look at, do I have a good breaking pitch as my primary weapon? There and there is a little bit of ideology. It's funny. Um, there was a uh, there was a story about Zach Greinke in that he was on the Royals still, and Zach Greinke won a Cy Young award with the Royals back in the day. Um, and this is before he went to LA, before he's on the Diamondbacks, now before Houston. Um, but he had a coach tell him that location was all that mattered. Velocity didn't matter. Location was all that mattered. So Granke in a spring training game said, all right, and he located at 78 miles an hour and got absolutely demolished and went back to that coach and said, yeah, velocity doesn't matter, and then walked back to the clubhouse. It's hard to find that magic mix, right? It's just, it's not there. The Astros, though, if anybody's going to do it, the Astros have secret ingredients in the back kitchen. They're not showing anybody. Atlanta may have the Coca-Cola vault, but what's going on in Houston right now is beyond me, right? I mean, Garrett Cole and and Sanchez and Verlander, they're about to have a conversation where they're, I, I like the way starting nine said it, they're about to show him the back of the card and he's about to be all in. If you look at... <laughs> One of the things that Verlander has excelled in, especially from coming to Houston, is hitting the top of the strike zone, which normally is considered dangerous. Yeah, if you're going to miss, you have to miss higher. Right, but not just hitting the top of the strike zone, hitting it with a curveball of all things. It's a strange... That's hard to get that. It's strange to throw, but if you have the top spin rate of any curveball and you're throwing it at the top of the strike zone... So that thing's dropping hard at the end of its path. What does that do to a batter's mind? Well, you're about to see a complete shift in Sanchez's year. I mean, he ended this going four and fourteen on, in a single season. I think he was going. I think he was zero and fourteen in his last fourteen, or like last seventeen. He started the year hot, and then it just all crumbled on him. I don't even think he started the year hot. I think that. Toronto just hit well. I'm not 100% sure that might be something to look at, but I read something 0-14. I don't know, man. I Whatever Houston is doing pitching-wise, it's crazy. It actually kind of freaks me out a little bit. Um, Like, think about it. If you say you have, you get a pitcher from Houston, what does that say about how much they care about that pitcher? Right? If if Houston has the secret sauce of pitching and they're willing to give up a pitcher, like that's like you don't trade with Tampa Bay. 
right? And I feel like I would never trade for a pitcher from Houston. Or maybe you do. Like, what Like, what do you think? Like, do you trade for them because they know the secret sauce? Or or do you not because the Astros see something and that they're like, we don't need this guy. We don't want this guy. The flip side to that, there's always been that unspoken rule that I think is bogus. You don't trade within your division. Okay. The one time I will say that stands, if you're the Texas Rangers and you've got a great pitcher, by all means, you do not send him to Houston. <laughs> yeah, it's already Big Brother over there. I don't... Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Is that even a real rivalry? Uh, for you guys that don't know, Caden actually lived in Houston for a little bit back right. in the day. Is, 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 is the Rangers-Astros thing a thing? Oh, the Lone Star Series? I mean, you got to remember, interleague play didn't begin until 98. They're in the same league. They're AL. That hasn't always been forever. That's true. I know. Yeah, Houston did switch. Astros got moved over sometime in like 07 or 08. Yeah. So you've got about 10 years where they only played each other four to eight games a year, potentially, depending on how schedules came out. Mm. So the Lone Star Series was a big thing. Now they're in the Mm. same division. They see each other often. It's not it, it it's not Yankees Red Sox. Yeah. But anytime you put two teams in the same neighborhood as each other. Now, putting someone in the same neighborhood of Texas is not the same as putting someone in the same neighborhood <laughs> of even all five in, states in of New England Coast. plus New York. Yeah, for reals. Right? <laughs> yeah. You can hop on a short train from from Boston to New York, but it's not, it's not the same in Texas. Quick quick side note. Okay. I was doing some – I looked up a little bit. I wanted to see because we talked – we're going to talk a little bit about um, trade ideologies in a little bit. Um, and I wanted to look up – I had read something or heard something and I wanted to fact check it. Did you know in 19 – from 1964 to 1967 what the name of the Houston Astros was? Oh, man. I know they've gone through a few names. They were originally the Colt 45s back in the – Houston Colt 45s. I saw two. So Houston Colt 45s from 64 to 67, and from 68 to present, they are the Astros. Right. Why in the world would you ever change that name? That is an amazing name. You build the Astrodome, and we put a man on the moon, and mission controls in your hometown. Look, I get it, but (laughs) Houston Colt 45s. That's amazing. What a lot of people don't realize is among the Braves and the Phillies, they're one of the older franchises in baseball. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. For sure, you know they've I moved think, around. I don't know actually when that when how many how many expansions have there been? I don't actually think I know that. Not as many recently, right? Only two really yeah. in the last thirty years, maybe. Well, there was the one in '98 with right. much about the Diamondbacks and the Rays, and I don't know before that what was teams? that not the Seattle? Diamondbacks and the Rockies together? Uh, Rockies were prior, right? And it was okay. the Rockies and the Mariners, was it? I think so. And those are the only expansions that have really happened within a stone's throw. Yeah, okay. About about 1930, I feel like between 1930 and 1950, your teams were kind of set aside from those four. Yeah, no, for sure. Names change, cities change. Cities change, but the teams, yeah. You know, they're not the Philadelphia Athletics anymore, but... Oof, but they're still the Athletics. Actually, the A's went through a couple name changes where they were the A's, and then they became the Athletics. They were just the A's. Right. For a while, but I don't know. And it, it we kind of want to, you know, we've we got a little bit off track, but it's okay. That's, yeah. Um, 
to kind of moving back to trading and trading ideologies, for those of you guys who aren't super familiar with trade deadlines and all that kind of stuff, there's a prevailing sense of if you are in the playoff hunt, then you give up prospects to get uh, players, veteran players to come and help your chances of winning a World Series. If you are out of playoff contention, you give away your players for prospects. Um, just to create, like, to try, it's like a, a buying sell. It's it's economics, really, is really what it needs to be. Um, and there's been some ways people think about how you should do that. Um, the Houston Astros, for one, we talk about them being this, you know, this, this godlike organization. Um, they took the route of, hey, we're going to lose like crazy, but get a bunch of good draft picks, build up our farm system, and we're going to suck, but we're going to do great. They had three straight 100 lost seasons and then are now pushing to be go to the World Series or win a World Series two in three years, right? Which is, which is really, really hard to do in baseball. And so this idea of like, is it worth it, right? Is, is the 300 lost seasons and then trading away your farm system to try to go win a World Series, is it worth it? Funny side note on that. Did you see Wade Miley's quote? I did it. Wade Miley was quoted as having said that teams that at the end of the season tanked their records for draft picks should be punished for it. (laughs) I just thought that was... Do you know who you play for? (laughs) So Wade Miley being, yeah, he's he's number four in in the starting pitching rotation for the Astros, who are the kings of doing this. Yeah, they started it. In baseball, at least. Well, and they keyed on to something is for years, people have thought you trade to win championships, and it's not the case. The Astros are the best at trading, but they don't actually trade that often. They, they really, if you look at their main players, look at who they've actually got, it's all the farm. Jose Altuve is a staple the, the of Altuve that franchise, are, yeah. farm. Now, that's not to say they didn't trade them to get them into the farm. But bringing up and okay, so on that idea as well, you look at um, the Dodgers. I'm an NL guy. I hate the Dodgers, right? You got to, they're like they're the Yankees of, of the National League. If you don't like right? the they're Dodgers, the, you hate the Dodgers. It's it's just a yeah, it's just a thing, yeah. Um, but they have done really really well at keeping their top prospects and not treating them and bringing them up. You talk about the Cody Bellingers, right? Who's in the thick of an MVP race right now. You talk about the Alex Verdugos that is being has been extremely productive at the major league level. Um, people like Ginger Guard, who just came up, uh, Dustin May, who uh, had a really really good debut. Stat line didn't reflect it as much, but eye test wise looked really really good. Um, all these guys that they have, there's a guy named Gavin Lux that's in there. That thing that has I think reached base 42 straight games at the AAA level, like. They have these guys that they just don't trade. They're like, it's fine. We'll 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 bring them up, and they will, you know, contribute at the major league level. Um, and they have dominated the National League for the past five years. Right. You can look at the Twins as well. The Twins have done great homegrown guys. This is their best season they've had in a long time. For sure. And so you've got you've got Eddie Rosario, Miguel Sano. Polanco, Buxton, Berrios, those are homegrown. 
They have been in the Twins organization since they started in professional baseball. Really? I didn't know that they were only them. Now, Mm -hmm. Sano's getting a little bit older. Or, no, he's not. Sano is... Sano is young, but Axel? Oh, I don't know. These five are... These five together have been a key staple of the Twins' unforeseen success this year, who are now becoming the Astros of 2017, as you said earlier. <laughs> yeah, they're they're doing something right, man. Right. I think they're uh, – now, we'll talk about Juice Ball in some later episode. Right, right. But the, twins, they, the rise of the Twins is also something that would be worth exploring. They're the fastest team to ever hit 200 home runs in a season. And they beat it by, like, 15 games. Like, just an absurd amount of home runs. I watched a game. It was Twins versus the Angels. They had they hit eight home runs in that game. That was their second eight home eight eight run home eight home run game in like two weeks. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense, man. Oof. Right. And and so now with the trade deadline though, essentially what we're getting is They've cut it up short because they want to force teams to decide, am I a buyer or a seller, and not hold out on that. So, so, how do you decide if you're a, a buyer or a seller? Like how it's even you, more confusing when you're an NL you put, team right now. <laughs> you you put on your GM hat. How do you how do you decide if you're a buyer or a seller? You look at your standings and you look at who you've got to play for the rest of the season, really. Okay, so well, that's a nice little bridge because we there is a there is a certain division in Major League Baseball right now that is effing things up. National League Central. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, that's Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, Reds, and Pirates. We already talked a little bit about Pirates, Reds, uh, that dynamic. Um, but as of as of yesterday. There's three teams that are all within two games. And at that point, I mean, I'm going to pull up the standings real quick. All three of those teams, one, two, three, are within two games of a wild card. How do you choose? And they're all sitting right around 500. They have, they're like, the winning percentage is like 545 to 509. And let's say you're in the NL Central and none of you were really close to the wild card right now. I mean, Pittsburgh just took a big jump. Only a couple days ago, they were only six back, and they were at the back of the division. Yeah, now they're 11 back. Right. Come they on, have I think been, 13 even. Uh, it's 11 right now, I think. Unless this has... Wild card do. game's back, right? 13 from the division. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, right, right. yeah. yeah. 13 so, so you've got St. Louis and Milwaukee. Milwaukee only being four games back of the division and two of the wild card. The NL Central's been messing everything up because when the trade deadline approached, the Pirates were still only six games back. Yeah. So now, you, you could be the they Pirates. They hadn't looked and, good. You could be the Pirates <sighs> and saying one good trade and we might be in contention. Yeah. It's hard to say that, though, because like they had lost, I think coming out of the All-Star break, they lost 10 in a row. Right. So like they were it was they were slipping and sliding, but yeah, like how do you tell your players like, oh yeah, you guys aren't gonna make the playoffs? 
right? Like, it's one of those things that you just, you have to make the decision like, hey, you were going to go for it or we're not going to go for it, right? And that I don't know. The, but you look at people that did. No one in the NL Central did. Right? I think the Cubs picked up uh, Nicholas Castellanos and Tony Kemp. I don't think the Cardinals did anything. I think they sent they sent a player to LA. And we talked about how do you know when you should take a player from the Astros or not? <laughs> yeah, Tony I Kemp mean, being, being I think the Astros him. liked Tony Kemp. I think they like Tony Kemp. I was sad to see him go. I, I'm not originally an Astros fan, but it's hard not to be an Astros fan when they're so oh. exciting. I don't know. You love to hate him, I guess. I don't know. I. He he was stuck. Tony Kemp was stuck behind a little bit of a log jam, a little bit. And he's not in the uh, Cubs. I mean, he has he he hasn't even started yet since he's been there, has he? He won't be a starter for sure. He's not going to be. No. No. He did a backflip in the outfield. That got put all over Instagram. That was cool. <laughs> but I yeah, the Cardinals didn't do anything, and the Cardinals are, um, as far as I know, like the Cardinals have only a plus 11 run differential. Right. Like, they're not... The only reason that they're even close right now is Paul Goldschmidt. Because that dude has been on an absolute tear. I think he hit six home runs in eight games. You want to talk about a team that's been doing like crazy, though? It's the Mets. Oh my gosh. See, the Mets is a funny situation because the, the Mets won again East, tonight. People were starting to see the writing on the wall, right? Mets are eight and a half games behind Atlanta. And Atlanta Atlanta's gonna be the division winner. If you're the you Mets, your so? best hope is the wild card. Oh, and I don't know, man. Two and a half games behind the wild card, right? Because in their own division they've got Philadelphia and Washington who are in competition for the wild card right now with a tied record. At fifty nine wins apiece. The Mets are only, oh my gosh, they're two and a half games out. They've won nine out of their ten last games. Right? So the Mets the Mets go, oh, you know what? We're going to throw Thor on the market. Right? Thor is Noah Syndergaard, and he's called Thor because he got super long blonde hair and throws 100 miles an hour. <laughs> right, so they've got him on the market. Talks broke down between them and the Red Sox allegedly over Noah and Diaz for Ben Attendee and top prospect. Okay. Everybody, they were filling calls from everyone about him. Sure. Then all of a sudden, they make a couple good trades, which I'll let you kind of break those down. And they sure. say, you know what? We might be in this. Keep Take Syndergaard off the market. Take Diaz off the market. And they have been red hot. They're the giants of last month. They have. I agree with that. That's I agree with that. And what's crazy, too, is just because, like, Going into the deadline, right, you have all these teams that are like, oh, we're sellers, right? And then there was a couple guys that were on the market that everyone was looking at to go to, like, to the Yankees, to go to the Red Sox, to go to the Astros. Um, a guy named Marcus Stroman, who is in Toronto, who's very much Toronto is as much as they're so nice because Canadian. Um, they just are not super good at baseball this year. Um, and so they have this guy, this he's, and he is what he's lacked in, um, production. He has an electric 
uh, personality. He is fun to watch on the mound, and he's having a career season. Um, and so a lot of people is expected like to go. He's from Long Island, actually. I don't know if you knew that. So he's from New York. So everyone's like, oh, Yankees, perfect fit. They're going to get a starter. It's what they need. He's doing really well. It's going to work behind a good defensive team in New York. And all of a sudden, and when we talked about a little bit earlier, people being frustrated or annoyed with this trade deadline, the uh, the the team that no one expected to be doing anything, all of a sudden, you know, it comes out. The first trade of really of the trade deadline, all of a sudden, the, oh, the Mets get Marcus Stroman. And everyone's like, well, now what? Like these, these were sellers. These were these were the guys that were giving away their starting pitching, and you know, Syndergaard hung out on the market for a little while, and they're like, no, no, we're just gonna we're gonna keep them, actually. And I think they traded for a, a position player. I can't remember who, um, and we're like, nah, we're going for it. We're totally going for it, and they have just been on absolute fire for the past, you know, week or so, and it's. It's brought them right back in it. I think they literally, I think they went from a 5.4 chance of making the playoffs. I don't know what it sits at right now. I think it was 19.8 when I checked it last. In a week. Well, it's interesting because people made some weird moves. Diamondbacks are only three and a half games back and they sold, sell out their pitching. They picked up Mike Leak, which I thought was a weird trade. Do you yes, know that much about Mike Leak? What's that? Do you know that much about Mike Leak? I, I watched his game the other day. I tuned in because he was about to throw a perfect game, which, for example, there's no hitters where you walk certain people, so they get to first, but they don't do it of their own batting. And then there's the yeah. perfect game where they either strike out or fly out or get forced out at first base, but nobody touches a foot on that up, base 27 up, 27 down. Right. And he was so close, and I I want to convince I'm convinced it's the juice ball, because that was just a little <laughs> a pop a pop line drive into just passed into the center field. Mm. Any less power on that ball, you know, a, a good jump from first base could have saved it, yeah. right? Either way, it was a great game, but he's not a big name, is he? Not as far as I would think. No, no. Um, I think a couple reasons Arizona might have gone after him. Um, so he actually leads the majors in hits allowed. I don't know if you knew that. Um, he's a super pitch-to-contact guy, um, but he pitches a ton of innings. Right? And so I think that Arizona was looking for an innings eater, I think, in all reality. And they actually, I don't know if you saw as well, um, they did trade away Granky, but they uh, gave up their top prospect. His name's... Jazz Chisholm, kid from the Bahamas. They sent him to Miami and got back um, a pitcher that had, I, I think he started seven games for the Marlins and had like a two two seven ERA with six years of control left. So they Arizona did something weird, and I and I it'd be interesting to talk about because they're breaking the mold a little bit um, for how to rebuild and how to. Uh, build up your farm system and, and remain competitive. And that's something we can talk about later, but yeah, no, it was, um, they, the, what did you ask? You talked about Mike Lee. Mike Lee you talked yeah, it was about. on trade. I, either way, we're kind of jumping in diamondbacks. They, they're only three and a half games back. 
oh, that's what Larry Nelson's running. Into. And and they've kind of said, you know what, Giants are on a heat path. Everybody and, and I was a toss up, right? Giants are they've tied lost with them two in right a row. Now, yeah. They're only three and a half games back. Yeah, there was no. But you look at those run differentials, though. Right, right. But right? if, if, like if, you're, if you're the Diamondbacks, do you say, let's buy really quick and see if we can win one this year on a hope and a wish because we're close enough? Or do you sell, which they did, and they brought in great prospects? Honestly, great ones. They're honestly saying, we know we're good. We've shown it. Let's take a step back and let's win next year. Not on a, a wish, but let's take this a few years out. I don't think they win next year. But I think in the next four years, we see Diamondbacks in the World Series. In the playoffs. Well, World Series is, is a little bit up there. They're, oh. So the, the problem with this is, and this is where um, what they have done is a little bit different on as a strategy-wise. Um, I went and did a little bit of looking, and the, the general manager of the Diamondbacks went into it saying, we're going to be buyers and sellers. Everyone's like, how are you going to do that? And they literally did that. And it was crazy. Like, they went out and got a... They added... They took one starting pitcher and turned it into two. An innings eater and a really good prospect with six years of control and four other prospects for sending out one prospect and one. It was was a weird thing. Um, So, I don't think the Diamondbacks' win total changes. No. Which is is weird for selling your ace. Right? He's only one of... Four people, right? Yeah. Your ace is a bigger deal. But let's look at why the Astros want him. First off, you've got Garrett Cole who goes free agent at the end of the year. I don't think they re-sign him. No, I bet he's going to Texas. The reason you pull Granky in, they don't know that they're going to have Cole back. Now, what would be really crazy is if they got Cole back and they re-signed Morton there's no way they're giving. There's not going to. If they would have signed Morton in the free agency, can you imagine going against the Astros right now? You face them. I, I don't. We're talking about. Actually. I mean, the Diamondbacks have you know, twenty to thirty more games in the season. Their win different. Their win doesn't change, right? Their win so yeah. much. They're not thinking about the playoffs. Where Astros know the writing's on the wall. They're going to the playoffs this year. Yeah. They're season from that point on is made up of five or seven game series yes, which each sure. pitcher makes makes a much bigger difference in for sure yeah so Grank's total Granky's total impact on the Astros is much bigger than it would have been on the rest of the season for the Diamondbacks for sure that for being sure. said the, the the trade with the Astros is enough to prove that point I wanted to ask because I, I was thinking that myself is giving your best prospects really selling or is, is obtaining great prospects like that still selling? Because in honesty, they kind of bought. They gave one guy for five key future players, four key future players. And so that's where the that's where the the ideology is different, right? Because you can get caught in this loop of like building a farm system, and it kind of feels like where the Padres have been. The Padres have the best farm team in baseball. Um, on, in the company on any of ranking, the Marlins. Uh, Marlins Not are close, three. but I'm just just to point out teams that have the best systems. Yeah. Yet still at the bottom of their divisions for some reason. 
So, but what's crazy is San Diego has had the best farm system for three or four years now. Um, and it's awesome. But at what point does having a great farm system transition into winning meaningful games and going to the playoffs and competing for championships? Right? And I think that's really where it comes down to is, is yeah, like you can buy and get all these good prospects, but at what point does that turn into winning championships? Because as much as you can try to convince people otherwise, your ultimate goal in every professional sport that's ever played is to win the championship. Right? Is it though? I don't Some teams don't seem like, look at the Reds. I mean, you pick, you think they don't want to win the world series? I think they do, but I think sometimes it feels like some teams say to their fans at the deadline, we're not really trying to win this. We're just trying to play ball on occasion. Think about, think about baseball as a business though at the end of the day too. Sure. At, at some point, Baseball is not just about winning games. Somebody owns a business and they make money off of it. You can theoretically run a great farm system, win just enough games in a season to keep your fan base and to sell merchandise. But is there is there a point where you might be able to develop good players and sell them and make money as almost a development team in the majors? Because it's starting to feel like that's what the Marlins do. So what's but but look, dude, they don't we talked about tickets. it in the beginning. They definitely don't sell tickets, but neither <laughs> does Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay is tearing it up, and they they have they have the second highest winning percentage of the past five years in the, right. in the American League. So so is it just ticket sales? We can get in. We can get into is is what is funding teams and what's really important. Fun fact: you brought up the Reds. When's the last time they uh, won a World Series? You know, like not off the top of my head. It has been almost thirty years. Nineteen ninety. Right, and it's okay that I'm a baseball fan and don't know that because I have not been alive thirty years. <laughs> exactly, that's crazy, dude. You talk about like the ultimate goal in in playing professional sports is win a championship, and thirty years. Nothing. But there's 30 teams. I get that, but... Oh, man. I mean, you could be the Cubs and take 108. <laughs> when there's only 30 teams. Each team should have had a turn at least three times. That's rough. Right. And you started now, when there wasn't 30 teams. You started when there was... Now, they've made it to the playoffs. Um... um 2013, 2012, 2010, 95. So they've made it to the playoffs four times in the past 30 years. Now, one of them was a wild card. Two of them were division series. So, like, it's not like that they're not competitive, but they're not competitive. They haven't had they had their best season in the past. I'm looking at it right now is, is 96 games, which is a lot of wins. But for the most part, they're hovering right around 85, 66, 78, 69, 76, 73 wins. That, that's just not a competitive baseball team. Well, they could be the Tigers right now. We'll be lucky to win 50 this year. 50 would be a successful year for the Tigers. You think so? You have think you they would qualify that as a success? They just won their 31st game. <sighs> we are after the All-Star break. Oh my gosh. 
And they lost four in a row. There are 162 games in a season, and they will be lucky to win 50. Do you know what their run differential is? Mm. Negative 215. I I think that kind of takes us into where we're heading anyways, which is our run prediction or our predictions. Yeah. So we've mentioned run differential a lot, and run differential is actually kind of important. Baseball is really, basic really important. Really important. Baseball comes down to this simple principle. To win games, you score more runs than you allow. So if in a season, the more runs you score over the runs you allow, the more games you win. It is possible to predict what a team will do based on that, given very few major changes. I don't know that... You know, we, we ran this this out. You can add in a player's effect on the team based on certain other stats like runs created. Sure. And just a simple idea of runs created is you can measure how many runs a player creates into a game, not just runs that they score or RBIs, but their total impact from... It's essentially their on-base plus sometimes plate appearances is the simple. Whatever their OPS plus the amount of time they show up at the plate is, can kind of give you an idea of their runs created. It's but not perfect stolen formula. bases. It's a lot more Stolen bases get added into that. Right. That being said, we have a formula, and you'll see it on our Instagram, what the results came out. So just to kind of look at some of those results, we predicted about what every team will do, and I did this while I still had a simple version of the formula. The formula can get a lot more complex, so I think we sure. could eventually post a more accurate one of this if if the listeners were more interested in it. Sure. When we did this, I think I had the date set to August 2nd was okay. uh, where it topped out. The Dodgers were shut, predicted to win 106 games on there, which I personally, I put them at like 103 to 105. In, in fairness, in the East on the National League, we've got the Braves and the, the Nats tied at 89 apiece. That's not actually that games. They're tied right now. Uh, Phil Atlanta. Oh, Washington and Philadelphia. Washington and the Braves. You know what? They're not tied right now. They're tied with Philadelphia, aren't they? Yep, yep. The Braves. The Braves have seven games on them. Right. Then we've got kind of some of the other main ones just to mention. Astros winning 102 games, I think they could do anywhere between 100 to 104. Easy. They're going to break 100. I'll take the under, please. Okay. You think they're under 100? I think they're under 100. Okay. Twins at 99. Under. Under? Yep. Mostly just because I, I maybe maybe Dyson figures it out. Um, they Those two guys they picked up from from uh, San Francisco and did not pitch well. I'll tell you what. Anybody who goes on this and likes this post and then message me. I run the Instagram just for the record. And then Steven runs the Twitter just so you kind of have an idea of who's doing what. User. Message me you're over or under on all six divisions. Whoever gets the closest will get them a prize. We'll do that. Oh, respect. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay, because well, I would we'll like to see who thinks the, they've, yeah, they've got an idea for, for this. Sure. AL East, it's got Am the Am I Yankees. excluded from that prize, if I'm right? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Ale yeast, yeast, ale yeast. Yeah, it's starting to feel like that. We've got the Yankees at 98. Now, one honorable mention is the, the Detroit Tigers, who are rated to only win 48 games based on this formula from their run differential. Oh. When, I, when the formula first came out, I was sitting with my brother-in-law. We're just sitting at the table, and he's a, he's a big baseball fan. And he goes, 48 wins? How many have they won so far? And we look back, and at the time, they'd only won 31 games, right? None of these teams have overdone this. You can also take the number of games they've played divided by the wins and then multiply that by the total season. And it shows pretty similar, you know, so a pace path is on. So to kind of break down how, how I went about this, is essentially what I did is you take the number of runs they've scored and you divide that by an addition of their runs by their runs allowed. But you can't just do it straight across because it's not going to be quite as accurate. So Pythagorean theorem was actually introduced, and a lot of this was discovered by Bill James, which to his credit was originally a janitor in 1970, <laughs> who wrote some of the best books on sabermetrics. Took until 2004, somebody finally stopped calling him a kook, and they hired him to the Red Sox for a little while, I believe. Sure. Now, what, what they ended up doing is they ended up squaring three parts of this. You do runs scored squared over runs squared plus runs allowed squared. Right, and that makes it a lot more accurate, but it still ends up being they found plus or minus three games in accuracy. Mm. I'm more than willing to bet 90% of these teams are going to be plus or minus three of what we've got here. And I think that's kind of reflected in what I said about them previously. Sure. I I do feel like that's true. You can make it more accurate, they found, by adjusting that exponent. And I discovered this in my research after which was sure. kind of sad because I, I did the projection from memory. I was out of internet service when I did this. And I, I've got a lot of data saved in my computer that live updates in there. So mm-hmm. I keep it. You can make the exponent 1.86. And it seems to be more accurate. And then if you really want to get crazy into it, you can look into Pythagopat or um, Pythagoport, where the exponent is actually in itself kind of a bigger oh, yeah. equation, not just a singular number. You know, runs plus runs allowed over games to the exponent of 0.287. So you've almost got three exponents moving up. Baseball's fun. Baseball's fun for me because I love statistics and I love sports. You know, tomorrow night I play old man softball. I've got two leagues that I play and like I enjoy playing. But more than that, I enjoy data. It's fun to see what you can do with it. And baseball is rich with data. Which is why I think you and I are going to enjoy kind of doing this show because... It's one thing to just theorize something or talk about something, but at the end of the day, it's just an opinion. When you can put data behind something, it's a statement. It's got validity to it. It doesn't mean it's a fact. Data is constantly changing, right? I could take the runs created, and eventually I could show you because the Astros have pulled in, you know, Granky or with these players, what's what's their difference in run differential going to look like, and what could they potentially win with these players? That's very possible. Yeah, but it's not perfect, you know. Look at the Yankees; anybody could get injured any day, and it's all up in the wash. Yankees yeah. are probably the least likely to be accurate because who knows who's going to be playing when with them? Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like too. Um, one of the reasons that we we've, we've talked a lot about this and wanted to do this podcast was because. Um, there is a lot of people, and 
I think sometimes ourselves included, I'm not going to put myself above that, um, that make a lot of claims about sports and have no idea what they're talking about. And baseball, I don't know, if you follow any baseball on social media, it is ripe with people not having any idea what they're talking about. I, uh, I was on Twitter and I saw this tweet that I want to talk about. It was, it was interesting. It was, it made me laugh because this, um, this Twitter, this guy, he said, there's a guy, his, he's the first baseman slash DH for the New York Yankees. His name's Luke Voigt. Um, tearing it up, smacks the ball around. Um, and he said, Voigt is only good at Yankee stadiums. And there has been this, and so this other guy responded to him, and he's like, have you checked the stats on this, or do you just enjoy making things up? And he goes on to list uh, Luke Voigt's crew OPS at Yankee Stadium, at Bush Stadium, the place where he played before, and in road games. He's actually better on the road than he is at Yankee Stadium. And he says, baseball reference remains a free website. Um, I love it, because this guy, right, he's like, oh, yeah, like this is what I think. And this guy's like, but there's all this info, there's all this data that you can use to not say dumb things. Favorite quote of all time. Uh, all time. It's pretty up there. It says, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. And we have tons of opinions. Me and me and Kip are probably two of the more opinionated people you ever meet in your entire lives. Um, but And we love baseball. But we want, the point of this podcast is to strive to show through data and through stats to back up what we believe baseball should be what's happening in baseball and things that are, that are going about it. Um, and we want you guys to be along for the ride. So like, like Kip said, um, when we talk about projections and expectations, go comment on the thing, see if we can get, we'll get you guys a prize. Um, and follow us, follow us on our designated sitter journey. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. But if data is your thing, if it's something you enjoy, I'm going to be starting a GitHub account. Download our, download our studio. If it's really something that we get a following on, I may even make tutorials of how I went through calculating things and do videos of that and put it to a separate account. I don't think that'll go to the main designated sitter account on Instagram either. That might need to be a YouTube channel. But github.com, it allows you to post up, you know, lines of code and, and files and sources, which allows anybody to download it. And I'll make them super simple where you can hit command return if you're on a Mac or just hit enter on a PC and it'll run the code yourself. But as you get more familiar with it, you can go in and try it. Our main idea behind the podcast is we want to talk about sabermetrics, but make it really approachable to anyone at any level of understanding of baseball. It's mainly for those who have a passion for it. One last for thing sure. we didn't mention that I thought was worth closing on. Sure. So I'm a big fan of the AL. I love the designated hitter. David Ortiz <laughs> has my heart when it comes to baseball players. You know, sure. glad he's recovering well. There's there's nothing quite like that grand slam to put the Yankees out. Right. And that's something that the designated hitter provides. I, I I've measured it out through 2018. All teams in in the AL on average had an extra run than teams in the NL. And home teams generally do an extra 0.2 runs, just probably knowing their park, something of that sort. You've also played sure. at the bottom of the innings, which makes it easier to know what you have to live up to. Mm -hmm. I, I 
personally, I feel like being the home team gives you a little bit of that advantage. Not just that you know your park, but if you know what pace the game is going, you either live up to it or you get crushed by it. Sure. Now, pitchers hitting feels unnatural for me, and they're normally ninth in the lineup. Pitchers don't hit well. And we can argue here and there. <laughs> you can point out individual pitchers who have great plate appearances or at-bats. Sure. But even Cody, not Cody Bellinger, I'm thinking Christian Yellick. We've got that Yellick. audio file from him the other day at the Brewers game talking to his pitcher saying, man, I'm hitting, quote-unquote, like a pitcher. This is a man who is in the race for triple crown contention. When somebody knows batting, I'm going to put him up there. Right, So pitchers are are famous. When you leave college, when you leave high school, if you want to be a major league pitcher, you've got to quit batting practice because you've got to bring up your velocity. You've got to fix your location. Your pitches have to break further. It's a lot of discipline, and batting just can't be a part of it. Two things. Two things. Yelich is in contention for a quadruple crown because he is – second in the league in stolen bases as well right and he was first at some point i do believe that mike trout has taken well he's in the other league so it won't matter won't even matter right he is leading in home runs which he's not kind of irks me a little bit another one today for those you don't know steven and i do a fantasy league and i like i like to think what's our record good insight and um i called that Raphael devers would have a breakout year this year and I got laughed at a little bit for it by a lot of people. He is a triple crown contender, if not for Mike Trout's home runs. <laughs> if Mike Trout could stop hitting home runs and he could hit a few more, he would be able to win the triple crown in the AL in his second year in the bigs, which is a feat in itself. Now I'm getting off topic. Where I was kind of going with the designated hitter and the the, the pitch pitcher hitting. Granky gets traded to the Astros. He left an NL team where he was dominating as a batter relative to other pitchers. I'm not going to say he was the best batter because the NL has is pretty heavy loaded with batters right now. They're doing great. That being said, he goes to a team where when he pitches, now he can be a better pitcher because he can rest his arm a little longer. But if you're the Houston Astros, and here's your thought. If you're the Houston Astros right now, you're most likely thinking we're going to the World Series and we're going to face the Dodgers and they're probably going to have a better record than us. Which means if we go seven games against the Dodgers, four of those games, our pitchers are going to have to learn to hit because they have not been hitting very often. So when you're going out to get a pitcher, you don't just want a good pitcher. Maybe you want a pitcher who can actually hit the ball and go the yard. He can. Did you know that he hit for the cycle in the month, the first month of the season? I remember that because I was in Vegas watching at a sports book, <laughs> and I had just said pitchers are the worst hitters because I was complaining our league has a utility player but not a designated hitter spot, which in my opinion is a bit of a rip because a designated hitter only accrues batting points, so you're going to use somebody who can bat well but gets put out, gets assists. Because you get more points that way, so I feel like we should have a designated hitter, and we'll fight this out when we're not recording. <laughs> and a utility player. If we're Regardless, only going to do that, then only one of the divisions the gets to have a DH. Right. He hits for the cycle that very night. I, I hated that because I was right about what I was saying. Pitchers aren't great hitters. 
Now I do want to say he didn't hit for he didn't hit for a cycle in one night. It was over the course of a month. He hit a single, a double, a triple, and a home right, run. Right, I think right. it actually happened in like two weeks. But, but the home run happened the night the night that, that he was had, said. He hit two he, home runs in that game. Actually, it was, it was a day game, I believe. But it happened to happen like moments after I ran my mouth. <laughs> yeah. No. He. Uh, I think if you take if you take away the requirement for um, minimum plate appearances on a lot of things, um, for a good portion of the season, he was top ten in OPS. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but what's crazy, and this is what, what I've always loved about Zach Greinke, and what he's one of the main proponents of why I will fight the universal DH for the rest of my life, um, even if it comes to fruition, is that he's a baseball player. When he went to the All-Star game, he wanted to get put in as a pinch runner. He wanted to steal bases. He wanted to pinch hit. He wanted to field the ball well. He's won four gold gloves, I think, at the pitcher spot. He's just an all-around good baseball player, and I feel like specialization is ruining that part of the game. Again, that's something that we can t- cover in later episodes. But you know, what, regardless, though, if, if you're if you're the Astros right now, and you're probably playing four games in, in Dodger Stadium, worst case scenario, you want a pitcher that can hit for sure. Your pitchers need to be starting to hit the batting cage a little bit. I, sure. I don't need them to hit home runs, but they need to learn how to hit their drag bunts well. Has ver- has Verlander ever hit? Has he been the AL his entire career? I know he was with the Tigers before the Astros. I don't believe he was with another team before that. Let me. I'm actually not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I know that uh, Garrett Cole was on the Pirates before that, so he right. has a little bit experience hitting. He was good with the Pirates, but he wasn't phenomenal. I don't know. If, I don't know how well he hit though. Yeah. No, Detroit Tigers, 12 seasons. Yeah, so he's never had to hit in the bigs. Besides interleague. Not consistently, because remember, interleague rules, you're going to play by the home team. For sure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he is. Playing against the Dodgers. So it's his his number of plate appearances is slim. Now, they only do designated hitters in AAA. I do believe the pitcher has to hit in further down minors. It's one or the other where it's league-wide further in the minors. I don't know if it's league-wide DH or if it's pitcher hits, but I believe in sure. the double and single A's, the pitcher has to hit. Possibly. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. Saves but. payroll. I mean, those organizations get expansive at that point. But Yeah, for sure. Right. Well, I think that'll about wrap up what we have for tonight. If you have any questions, comments, reach us out. Our Twitter handle is desig- at designated underscore pod. Instagram designated dot sitter on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you think of the show. Tell us what insights you have here, there, anywhere. You know, we're right. We're, we're looking to kind of handcraft this to, to please the audience, but also to enjoy it. So exactly. Feel exactly. free to reach out to us.